The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Every April, I promised that we were going to talk about effective treatment. And by the way, that was what we were going to talk about. That was put in motion weeks ago um, as the last day in April. We, there's been an onslaught in the month of April. Always there is about people talking about autism in lots of different ways. And I want to be clear that I think that's important. And I think it's important for everyone to state their opinions and for every single voice to be heard. I am not interested in censoring anyone or their opinion ever, 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 ever. But what does concern me um, is that when we give our opinions, we are all looking at it from our perspective. That's what we do. Um, that's what an opinion is. It's from my perspective, from the direction from which I sit and what I can see, this is the opinion that I'm giving. And, and each and every one of us does that. So. Um, it concerns me sometimes because part of my mission in life is to help make sure that people get access to the things that will get them progress. Um, that's, a, that's a deal that I made on the bedroom floor when I was saying, please God, show me what to do to help my child and I promise I will do what I can to help others. I promise, I promise, I promise. And my, my wish, my prayer was granted. My son got the help and support that he needed and made the progress and continues to make the progress that is so meaningful to him and to me and is ultimately meaningful to the world. And we got that through ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, but we got the highest quality of ABA and we did, we to our credit, fought and fought and fought for the funding for it. It wasn't easy, did, nobody handed it to us. I wasn't able to write a check for it. Heaven knows, I don't know anybody who could, right? But we fought for the funding for it, tooth and nail, day and night, I'm gray for a reason. Um, and we fought to make sure that we got the full prescription and that we fulfilled the full prescription to the point where I got sick, you know? Um, it was hard. There was no part of it that was easy. It was hard for my son, but there was no part of it that was torture. I just want to be 100% clear about that. Throughout the month of April, there have been a lot of things, and this happens every month of April, that people will post some things about ABA. Um, and there will be self-advocates, adults who are on the autism spectrum, usually, are the people who will say ABA is torture. Um, and it's not a huge group of people, but I think it's a meaningful group of people. And I, I just want to take a second to talk about this, that I am sometimes um, disheartened is the word that I want to say, because I think when parents read that from adults on the spectrum who say, I was tortured and I've never forgiven my parents and it was just awful and I have PTSD from it, as a parent you go, oh no, I don't want to do that to my child. I was one of those parents. Uh, a developmental pediatrician who, who uh, diagnosed my son said, I said, what about ABA? And she said, oh, don't do that. Don't do that with him. It'll turn him into a robot. Yeah, he'll speak, but he'll never know what he's going to say. And I stood in that little room with her, and because she was an expert, I trusted her. I then went on the internet to see what adults on the spectrum had to say about ABA, and a lot of them said bad things and said that it was torture, and I went, I am never going to do that with my child. So there were six months when the state of California was offering me funding for ABA that I said, no, take that elsewhere. I'm not having my, my child tortured. 
But as I was saying that, there were other people who were like, mm, no, that's not, that's not my experience. Uh, that's not the experience that my child had. That's not, that's not what I've seen. Um, and I kept looking, and the, the equation started going more and more like this. And sometime I'll tell the story of what tipped it, um, because that's a, that's a fun story, but not today. But eventually it was tipped for me, and I saw something so amazing that I couldn't look away. A little boy who was happy and speaking and making progress. And that little boy inspired me to the point where I said, I, I'm going to make sure that I pay attention because I'm never going to let my child be tortured. But I want to give my child every chance to be able to do the things that he wants to do and not be held back by obstacles. When I would see, and when I still see adults who are on the autism spectrum type in and say, I don't like ABA, what I see is an adult who has ability. I see somebody who is able to say to me their opinion and I go, woohoo, this is awesome. Congratulations, good on you. I also want to say that for some of those people, um, I, I think it is entirely reasonable that they had a version of ABA that is a precursor to this. I know that many things were being tried. I don't doubt that they experienced what they experienced, not at all. I think that there are some people doing ABA right now that are not doing good quality ABA and, and should lose their licenses. I do. But I can tell you that there are people doing good ABA, and good ABA does not torture children. I am the last person that would ever talk about something if I had any doubt. I had five years of intensive, really good ABA therapy through the Center for Autism and Related Disorders in my home where I sat in another room and watched it on a monitor and listened to it because I'm that level of paranoid puss. And I saw the miracle that happened in my living room. And I see who my son is now. And he talks and he argues with me and he is not held back by the disabling aspects of autism that he was held back by as a child. That's why I speak about ABA, to let people know, to help balance. When you see an adult who's on the autism spectrum and saying ABA is torture, I, I want you to stop and think about all the skills that that person has to be able to type and say their opinion and speak it proudly. And we need to celebrate that. Let them, let them say their opinion. I think that is super duper important. Please don't let that stop you from invis investigating a good quality ABA program. Um, we don't need, to, there is no need to negate what that person's opinion is and what they went through 20, 30 years ago. If you are a parent right now who is having ABA and somebody is doing something to your child that you in any way, shape, or form look at as torture, um, stop that. Stop that. And if you need help figuring out you know, what, how to find a good quality ABA, ABA provider, oh my goodness, I got you. Uh, right? And they're not all CARD. I love CARD because that's who we do. But there are other good ABA providers too. Let's be clear about that. But there are some bad ones. We have to be vigilant and make sure and protect our children that they are not at the hands of people who would torture them. But good quality ABA would never, ever do that. Don't let, I almost let a developmental pediatrician talk me out of what ultimately gave my son the ability to do what he wants to do. Don't let anybody talk you out of investigating and making your own decision. Uh, take a closer look. Science has shown it to be wildly effective, not at teaching them to mimic, but at giving them the tools that they need to be able to do the things that they want to do. And this thing about stimming and how ABA takes away the stim, that is not accurate either. What ABA does is gives people a more functional way of getting their needs met. Um, the little boy 
who turned things around for me and became the argument that I could not turn away from was Logan Shepard. The, the boy that you see, in, that's, that's the, he's playing tomorrow night at Autism Rocks. He's playing there as a professional musician. We show the video of him. He's the little boy that I saw, and I went, I saw him when he was five. And Logan had been a kid who did this to calm himself down. Card did not say, we're going to you know, get rid of that. You know, this had a function. This did something for Logan. All they did was say, how can we help him to you know, take this and make it as functional as possible? And one of the first things that they did was put drumsticks in his hands, and that boy drummed. Well, Logan doesn't need to drum all the time. Logan talks. Um, but this is still something that, you know, viscerally, he's a drummer. That kid's a drummer. So when people tell you, oh, ABA looks to, you know, get rid of the stim and take it away like, like it's a pacifier, that's not it. That's not it. And if your ABA provider is doing that, it's not a good ABA provider. Or the, the, the supervisor that's doing it, not the supervisor. So we're going to talk about effective treatment, but let's celebrate when, whenever there is a person who is on the autism spectrum has enough skill to write on a computer and say, I disagree with you, let's all go, yes. the R word, mm -hmm. the recovery word, and we yeah. have people who have questions and feelings and emotions that come with this and people are saying, what do you mean? Uh, somebody's just flat out, uh, you don't recover uh, from autism. I'm trying to, Augusta George is watching too. Uh, so somebody said, you don't recover from autism. You can learn to help them live and work with it. Um, and somebody else said, well, I just started watching when she said that two kids recovered, so I want to know what she meant, uh, but I would agree with you with not recovering, but I just want to learn more about it and about helping your child. We know that words have so much meaning for people that we attach uh, meaning to words, and, and sometimes when people use the word recovery, people have emotions. So let's define what you mean by it, but I want to first ask everybody, I had to at a certain point. You got to open your mind to possibility, right? So, and I have to say, Shannon, it also evokes a lot of emotion in me. I bet because my entire life has been dedicated to this field. Yeah. So let me just, you know, I try very hard to not get defensive as well. <laughs> so uh. I'll, I'll do my best because there's there's one group of people that I absolutely have no right to disagree with, and those are the folks who have a diagnosis themselves and are in some way find that word offensive. I have absolutely no right to tell you how to feel by any means. And in fact, I apologize if there's anyone listening who is on the spectrum themselves and they find the word recovery somewhat insulting. I don't understand it, but I respect it completely because it's your world, it's your diagnosis. I have no right to, to make any comments about how you feel about a particular word that, that somewhat defines who you are. So I get that. that. That population aside, if you are a parent and you do not believe that an individual with autism has, not every individual, but that some individuals with autism have the ability to become absolutely a hundred percent recovered and I mean that in other words they have nothing different than any other child or an adult or individual then I have issue with that and I want to talk about that yeah. because if you haven't seen it it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist now I have and, and I would recommend that the first thing you do is that you go and I will define it I'm happy to define it and I will talk about it for as long as you guys want but please don't imply that my entire w life and the life of thousands of individuals who have worked in in this field has been useless if we didn't recover kids there wouldn't be insurance funding for this right now let's just start there yeah you don't get insurance funding for things that are just remedial. 
you get insurance funding for things that are classified as medical necessity, which means it's a life or death type thing. It means it's the difference in your child's outcome altogether. So this is, this is no joke, and it's not a matter of my opinion either. Back in the 70s and 80s when we used to do therapy, recovery was published in 1987. The first article that published recovery defined it, and that study, I will go back and talk about, was a study that came out of UCLA where I was, I was on that project. And basically what it was, and this was published in 1987, the studies showed that with three groups of children, the first group received 40 hours of one-to-one -one ABA therapy from us at UCLA in the project that was called the Autism Project. The second group received 10 hours of the same therapy from us again. The reason they received 10 hours was because they lived too far away from UCLA and we could not access them on a regular basis. We, they were very far. They were like an hour drive. And our therapists at UCLA couldn't go out there that often. Okay, so they received 10 hours a week. The ones that were closer received 40 hours a week. And then there was a third group which received 10 hours a week of a different type of therapy from the other side of UCLA, which is now called Semmel Institute. Back then was called Neuropsychiatric Institute. And that was sort of a different, kind of an eclectic approach. After two and a half years, the result was that 47%, half of the kids in our intensive group had recovered as opposed to 2% in the other two groups who received 10 hours of therapy. Now, what is recovered back then, how did we define it? The way we defined it, it was three different criteria. One was that there was a normal IQ. So these individuals were tested on intelligence tests we tested them before beginning intervention and then after two and a half years to three years of intervention and their IQ was normal. Normal means it was around 100 points. What else did we do? We also placed them in regular education first grade and they were there in regular ed without any assistance. And this is, we're talking back in the 80s, okay? So that was the second criteria. The third criteria was an independent psychiatrist would remove the individuals, like would see the individual and say, no, this person doesn't classify for autism. Okay, that is how we defined it back then. Now, how do we define it now? Like so many years have gone by and we've learned a lot more about autism and we've seen different gradients of autism too, by the way. So the way that I define it, and the way that we have now published on it multiple times, by the way, we've now also published on, uh, we had a publication that looked at 34 of our kids, I believe, and we went back and we checked not only their IQ, but also adaptive testing. So that's called the Vineland Adaptive Behavior Scale, VABS. These are all standardized measures, by the way. These are not measures that we just made up and said, oh, they work for us. These are this is how any child would be tested. So the adaptive measure looks at things like daily living, socialization, communication, etc. And all of these children get to the level of normal. Normal, which means they are indistinguishable from their peers. Indistinguishable from peers. That's a very important term. So now when we call someone recovered, we look at IQ, adaptive functioning, social functioning, and language functioning. Those four things, as well as I even go above and beyond, and I test my kids on executive functioning and pragmatic language. We give a series of tests at the very, very end where we look at every area, and we wanna make sure that the kids are really, really doing well in school, they have friends, they're doing fine. So yes, there are those individuals who still have signs and symptoms of autism. Those are not the individuals that we are classifying as recovered fully. Yes, there are individuals who will even lose their diagnosis. They no longer fit the criteria for ASD. You could say, for all practical purposes, those individuals are recovered because they no longer classify for a diagnosis. If they went and saw a doctor today, the doctor would not give them the diagnosis of autism. So for all practical purposes, those individuals are recovered. But at CARD, for research purposes, we go above that. We go above that criteria, and we do a ton of testing to prove that this individual 
fits right in the middle of peers, or in many cases, higher than their peers, because a lot of our kids are have incredible memory and, and, and unbelievable skills. They don't lose those skills. They're just gaining, learning other things they need so that they can function in, in normal society. Many of these individuals not only go on to school, but they go to college. Uh, I, now I have been around in the field long enough where I have individuals who've been married. I'm waiting for my first married couple to actually have children so we can see how that goes. But what I'm saying is that it is absolutely possible for individuals to do extremely well. Now, not every individual, and we don't know why. To be honest with you, we will start with, in, the younger the child is, as Shannon said, the more hours they get. We've also shown these things. It's a matter, this is how I see autism, and can I keep ranting? You can. <laughs> Sorry about You're that. taking us to church. No, people are liking that. We have, uh, we have people from uh, northern India saying more on recovery, and, and I just don't people want, are thrilled I just don't, to hear. I don't want people, you know, many years ago, you guys, this is one thing about being in this field for 40 years. I will never forget, I was probably in my late 20s. I had finished my doctorate. I was licensed. I had just opened CARD. And I remember testifying, maybe I was like early 30s, I don't remember. I remember testifying because we were trying to get funding for people back then. I remember testifying in court for a family here in California. And the judge, it, it, this is where I've come from. And this is why I get so upset with people doubting the fact that there is a lot of potential for people on the spectrum to, to recover. And I want to talk about that because there's there's nothing wrong with having ASD other than the fact that it makes it harder for you to integrate and benefit from what society has to offer. That's all. Just as if you had hearing impairment. There's nothing wrong with it. No one's, no one's boohooing it or saying anything bad about it, but it is definitely harder for an individual who's hearing impaired to use what's around them in society because they are, need modifications. There, it is difficult for someone who's blind. It is difficult for someone who has to use a crutch. Everything makes it more easy. If you are able to integrate in society, if you're able to benefit from normal education, if you're benefiting from having friends, all of those things, I think, personally, are beneficial to you. So why not allow us to teach the individual as much as we possibly can? How does autism, to me, this is how autism is. So first of all, to begin with, I mean, I formed my own theories of where autism comes from. But from my perspective, autism is a diagnosis that has to do with the, the inability to detoxify fast enough from all these environmental toxins that we experience. These affect the child's developing brain in different ways. Some children will have very severe uh, effects based on uh, you know, the developmental period. Let's say the child is very, very early on and they're not able, they're, they have high toxicity due to exposure to various things, which we can't even measure. There's no way we can measure all the toxicity in our environment. There's too many types. Um, of toxicity, and we also don't know the genetic composition that leads to this low redox. So it's a combination of being unable to detoxify and being exposed to all these toxins, leading to uh, the uh, differences in how we learn. You know, I was just reading again last night another study that came out on sensory sensitivities. To me, this is really about the sensory input, because if you look at a child, a young child, how do they learn? They learn by the things they see and hear and sense and so on. This is how we all learn, right? There's so much we have not yet learned and we're beginning to now learn about how individuals with autism see things. I mean, Temple Grandin tells us this from years and years ago when she was a child, that she used to see things in individual boxes, right? We now know through studies that individuals with autism actually when they see a scene, they are look, they're seeing certain things that we're not seeing, and they're not seeing other things that we're seeing. Right. And, and you know what? I guarantee you there's differences amongst us similarly. We just don't know it yeah. because we are within the similar realm. So if I look at something like right now I'm looking in that direction, of course the first thing I see is the camera 
But at the same time, without even diverting my eyes, I see you, Shannon, I see the screen, I see all the things in the room. Individuals with autism don't have those same exact capabilities. They see other things, like when they're looking at the camera, they'll see the logo on the bottom of the camera where I wouldn't necessarily. And so because of the fact that they perceive things sensory through their senses differently, because of how their brain was developing early on, they learn differently. It is just as simple as that. They learn differently. Now, when they learn differently, sometimes it is so far from what the environment has allowed us. Like, just as an example, if I'm it, auditorily, it's the same thing. They have different sensitivities and selectivity. So auditory, let's assume I hear d sounds more than I hear language. One of my own kids said this to me. Andy said this to me, and one of my recovered kids, he said to me, I used to hear background noises, like the door screeching, much more prevalent than the sounds of language. If that's the case, you're never going to learn language. You are going Because language is a background noise. Yeah. You're going to learn to block language. So their sensory input is different. If we're receiving information visually and auditorily in different ways, we're not going to learn the same way. What does ABA do? ABA adjusts that. That's all it does. ABA sits with the child and allows the child to learn through different modalities. It gives the child the ability to pay attention now to all the different things in the room instead of the logo. It gives the child practice at a very early age to listen to the sound of language as opposed to those background sounds. So. ABA corrects or redirects the learning of the child and intensifies it because a lot of our children, you start at three, I'm happy. If you start at two, I'm even happier because the child's learning has gone awry. The child is learning things like that little logo, like that background noise, and the faster, the sooner I get them, the faster, the more I can teach them. Now, if I have a three-year-old, I have two years, three years, where I can teach the child everything they need to reach the normal functioning of a five- or six-year-old, I will do my best to do that. And that involves lots and lots and lots of hours of therapy, but it also involves the parent making sure the child is sleeping, making sure the child is not eating anything they're allergic to, making sure the child doesn't have massive gastrointestinal issues and pain. Because the more comfortable the child is, the more ready they are for learning, the more they're sleeping, the more healthy they are, the more they will take in. And the more they take in, if we all work as a team, the individual is taking in all this stuff, there's no question in my mind that individuals with autism can learn. That's, yeah. that's the key to it. How much can they learn? It just has to do with how much practice. If someone comes to you today, to me, and says, hey, at your age, can you learn Chinese? I'll say, oh my God, it doesn't sound like it's ever possible. But you know what? It is possible. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of how much time and effort I put into it. Yeah. That's what it's all about. So I'll take a deep breath. <laughs> my, I, but no, I appreciate it because we see the passion that you have yeah. for the subject and how much you love our kids. I just want to say as a parent that, you know, so often when we're at like a walk or something like that, a parent will bring up... Uh, a child and say, can you, I, the, at one of the last walks we went to, a dad said, can you explain to my daughter who's 10 what autism is in her little brother? And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, rolling up the sleeves, like how am I going to explain this to a 10-year-old? And what I said to her was, you, you know computers, right? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, there are some computers that are Macs and there are some computers that are PCs, right? And she said, yeah. And I said, which one do you like better? And she said, well, I like this on this and this on this. I said, okay, there are brains that are Macs and there are brains that are PCs. But if all you ever did was teach a Mac PC language, it wouldn't get very far. That was really good. It wouldn't get very far. Right. So, you know, right now, but Macs are great. Yep. And Macs can do things that PCs can't do. That's right. Nobody's saying that it isn't bad. But if all you ever teach a Mac is PC, and I said, your brother's a Mac, right? And right now he's speaking a different language. His brain is speaking a different language, so he's getting therapy, and he's going to learn how to translate the languages. It's yep. not going to change the fact that he's a Mac, right? But he is not going to be held back by the fact that you speak a different language. Absolutely. I mean, Shannon, 
I experienced this a lot of times myself when I'm learning different languages, right? When I was learning German, I remember that like in the beginning, I would be in Germany and people are talking and I'd be like, okay, I got that word, I got that one, but this is way too hard. I'm just gonna do my own thing. And I'd find myself becoming more and more isolated, not isolated, because I'd be going out with my husband and his family, but it was more about like, I just would kind of like my brain would start floating to other topics because I couldn't understand what's going on around me. As time passed and as I learned more and more single words, even to this day, when I go back, I completely understand everything now. And I never even took a single class in German at all. It was just a matter of practice and exposure and I could pick it up. An opportunity. And I know it's the same thing because I went through, it's the same exact thing as learning languages. When we, and as you said, you know, the, the Mac PC thing is the same exact thing. We, as kids, our kids are amazing. Sometimes I'll see children who are like five years old and they're still the sweetest human being ever. They have no aggression, yet they can't communicate at all. And I think to myself, oh my dear Lord, how is this little guy not getting aggressive? How is this yeah. guy not getting ticked off because no one understands him? And I always tell the parents, it's because of you. The parent has been amazing as figuring out yeah. what his needs are. And you know what? You need to stop. Like this is the very interesting thing. I think you may have said this to me or some, a parent, a mom said this to me and said, do you realize that when they're babies, right? We all, we have to figure out with our babies why they're crying. Is it a cry because they need a diaper change or they're hungry or they're angry or hurt, right? What's yeah, going on? Yeah. So we figure that out. With kids with autism, we never stop that. Yeah. And with normal kids, typically developing kids, at some point we're like, you're two years old, you need to use your words, yes. you know? And with, we don't do that with our kids. The reason I get so passionate about this subject of recovery is that personally I feel that if I don't set a high enough bar, I am not doing what I'm meant to be doing. I am accepting less than my child, the child that I'm working with can produce. And then I'll be no different from everyone else who's just babysitting. And that's not what my world is about, nor is it what anyone at CARD is supposed to be doing, because our goal is not to maintain the kids where they are. Our goal is to teach them. And whether we can teach them one new subject or content or a thousand, we have to push. We have to push higher and higher because otherwise we're just accepting and the child will not go beyond the limit we set for them. As far as I'm concerned, individuals with autism have no limits. There is no upper limit. I wanna push them for the rest of their lives to do to be happy to do the best they can. And it's not really about recovery or not recovery. It's just about that limit. It's about never expecting the child to do anything less than I would expect anyone else yeah. to do. I think too, and uh, one of our colleagues has asked me to do more on the show about recovery. And I expressed to him, I said, you know I want to, but it always ends up in a, in a discussion because it's a very volatile word for people. It is. But I do think that, uh, and I'm just going to apologize and say we're going to do, uh, that we're not having done this before, I'm going to apologize. We have to show more of it because just like when your husband is still talking about having met these people and yeah. to say, oh my gosh, he lives with you and knows what you do and sees everybody, but when you see it and you, and then, and you can see where it came from, I think in the beginning people go, oh, even people who've been around it for a while, they go, oh, I didn't know that was possible. Right. We, you know, we started at CARD, we had heard what was possible, and then about, <sighs> I, I, we had been having therapy for four years and I introduced my husband to an adult who had recovered, and we had a whole conversation with him and then afterwards we walked away and I said, wasn't that amazing? Don't you feel like that's so incredible? And he said, it was a great conversation. What are you getting so excited about? And I said, you understand who that was that you just talked to. You understand that he was a kiddo on the spectrum. He's, he's one of the recovered kids. And my husband clutched his chest. And said, oh my God. And said, are you, the guy I was just talking to that we were talking about, are you talking about that guy? That guy is a recovered kid? That guy had, a, and my husband was overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah. he said, oh my gosh, Shannon, you see this all the time. That's the first time I've, I've ever seen. seen it. I need to be showing you more of that. So that's what I'm going to do. And honestly, for, for our viewers, please go on Amazon and order Recovered Journeys Through Autism. I made that film because it was four parents who went through this exactly thing, the thing that you guys are going through. These are parents who were at very high-level university settings getting their kids diagnosed and were told, put your child in special ed, just save your money, you're going to need it later on, uh, your child's never going to recover, this is not something that you recover from, all that sort of stuff. And this is, we're talking, you guys, back in, you know, 90s, early 90s. And they didn't believe it and they put all their efforts into it and... You will see these children when they started, and you will see these children at age 13, whatever, 11, 17, when they're done. And I wish, I don't have time right now, but one of my dreams is to do a follow-up on those kids because, you know, you'll the, the child who on there is, to me, looks the most severe is, I can't even tell you how what he's doing right now in the world because it's so high level. And he's, you know, all four of those kids are doing incredibly well in their worlds. They are lecture, one of them is lecturing across the world about various things. They are more than recovered. twins, Justin and Jessica, were premature babies, so we always were very conscientious of their development, but I think it was probably 15 months, Justin started getting really obsessive compulsive with opening and closing doors, and Justin started tantruming a lot too. These would be major tantrums that were just completely debilitating to the family. Having to take them out of the house, put them in the car, drive around just to calm them down. Yeah, I remember a breaking point and just thinking, you know what, we gotta do something, this is not right. Once we were on the track to getting a diagnosis for autism, we started sharing that with our close friends and family. It just so happens that somebody from our older daughter's private school called us out of the blue. She introduced herself and she says, I know that recovery is possible. Those words so early in our journey were a guiding force for us. As we got more educated in knowing what is effective therapies for kids with autism, we realized quality ABA is vital to that progress. That's where we decided that CARD was the right provider for us and for our son. Justin responded very well to therapy. The behaviors were tracked and we saw that what was being instituted was working. Justin, what are you doing? I'm coloring. You are coloring, good for you. There was real progress and it was progress that was tangible. I just remember when he he made a sentence, he said a sentence. We were just happy about it, going, no way, I can't believe you just did that. What's the date? The 18th. 18th of what month? December. Oh, what year is it? 2007. Oh, okay, so how old are you today then? The therapies that CARD did for Justin didn't just impact his daily living skills, but it was a positive impact on our entire family. Justin, I am in fourth grade. I like playing video games sometimes. My dream to build a teleporter machine. It's like sometimes if like we're on an airplane and it's like really long, you guys just say, "Oh, hurry up with that teleporter machine! I'm waiting on you." And, <laughs> and I just started Friday Night Lights. This is our third game of the season, and um, it's pretty fun. You have to be fast. We attribute so much of Justin's recovery to CARD. Their goal was the same as our goal. We wanted Justin recovered. June 12, 2008 is a day that I celebrate every year because that is the day that Justin was deemed recovered from autism. And Dr. Doreen Grand Pichet met with us, looked at him, and just said he's brilliant. 
you need to keep his mind stimulated because he's very smart and he has no residual traits of autism. Say hi, Ethan. Hi. My son was diagnosed with autism in November 2004. With Ethan, almost immediately, we noticed things that were troublesome that he just didn't sleep. He would vomit in the crib. There were a lot of sensory issues. Then he'd have like 20 of the trains lined up. And if you came in and took one train out, just yeah. meltdown completely. <laughs> Guttural instinct is to think that there's nothing wrong. Who wants to look at their child and go, there's something wrong with that child? You don't. You always want to see the best in your child. Will my kid be able to go to school? Will he interact with his peers? Will he be able to have a healthy relationship? Will he get married? I really thought that autism was like a death sentence. A lot of hope was given to me through CARD. This was my third agency and the best agency we had. And there was no way in the world, I was going to give up card because of the gains I saw Ethan was having. And I remember when Doreen saw us for the evaluation, she says, but by the time he's six, he will be recovered. And that's yep. exactly what happened. I'll fix that. When Maddie was diagnosed, I'll be honest, I was very ignorant on what autism was. I knew that autism was basically something that hit boys at the age of two to three and shut down. And with Maddie, she was doing all the same signs and symptoms as a typical child with autism spectrum disorder. Stand up. I was thinking that we might be moving somewhere so that people could assist us either in the house or us going to see our daughter because she was shutting down to a point that she wouldn't even recognize you being there by putting your hand in her face and yelling her name. She didn't even acknowledge us coming into the room. She had barely any eye contact. She didn't interact with her sisters. She didn't really do anything. She just basically lined up her toys and that was about it. There's eight volunteers, including my husband and I, and I'm the team leader, and so I do all the curriculum and, and get everything ready each week. Jana was downstairs until 11 o'clock at night working on curriculum, going through two different textbooks. Hey, look, who's that? And then we, as a group, meet on Monday nights and we would go through what the curriculum was from Jana. And a lot of times we would go, well, how exactly do you do that? How do you sit her at the table and, and do this trial base? Yeah! What skills has done for us, it's taken that away from Jana trying to figure out the curriculum for one. She can go down, or on our, even our laptop, and she can sit down and through all these questions, it comes up with the different programs. At least for me, it was a relief off my shoulders. I was worried that I might be missing a curriculum that maybe she needs to know, where skills, they have every, every possible thing your child needs to know from zero to seven. They have a program for that. What noise is this? <laughs> every program that we did with her, I knew it was specific for what she needed to learn. Because before skills, it was a lot of Okay, well, is that really age appropriate for a two-year-old? You know, because it's not generalized. It's anywhere from zero to seven. This is what your child needs to know in most, in most manuals you'll find. But for this, okay, yep, she should be learning this. And no, she's not four yet. She doesn't need to know that yet. We are so fortunate that Jana was able to attend a conference put on by CARD that opened the door for skills and that um, there's no looking back for us. We started using the program in November, and it seemed like by January something just clicked. And she has completely kind of came out of her fog that she was in for quite a while. I have never read a documented case on any child that has not benefited anything from applied behavior analysis. And uh, now with this new skills and being, you know, like the E version of ABA, I can't imagine that it doing anything harmful to their child. It, it's nothing but exponential growth for us. To see her now is 
it just blows us away when we call her our little miracle child because in seven months' time, she's just blossomed into this normal, functioning child. She is developing roundly. She is socializing. She's playing with her peers. She's learning from her peers. It's very joyous. Maddie, can you tell me what you see outside? Snow. Snow? If you're even thinking about doing it, do it. Because the absolute worst thing you could do is do nothing at all. And even if you use this program and it's just a single mom or a single dad working in the evenings with their child, this program is going to benefit them. It's going to show you where they are. It's going to show you where they need to go. And it's going to show you what skills and how to get there. It is an online book on how to help recover your child. high-functioning autism and I'd say I know it's somewhere between nine months and a year. Looking back now I can tell you everything. I mean, there was no pointing, there was no shared experiences, speech was not coming, the interactive play was not coming, those things weren't happening. You know you go to the pediatrician they tell you well sometimes boys are slow or things might take a while to come along but it still wasn't happening and right when he hit the two-year-old room in preschool is when the wheels fell off the wagon. That's when we got some intervention. That's when we uh, figured out, you know, how we can address this problem. The first thing I did was I got a mentor because there's no book on what to do with your autistic child. I mean, there's many books, but your, each path is individual. So I got a mentor, a really nice woman named Marlene. She has a daughter with Asperger's, and she told me, go to psychiatrist so you can have your child fully diagnosed in a rock-solid diagnosis that can't really be attacked, call card, and do whatever they tell you to do. <laughs> that was probably the thing she talked about the most. Get in touch with card. And she actually put me in touch with Evelyn from card. And calling card was like amazing because you really, I really felt like things were finally going to be okay. We were going to get the help we needed. We tried a, a number of different things before we could get into card. And you could really see the difference in the data keeping really addressing what his issues were, whereas the other places we had been, it seemed pointless to me. We've talked about this, and I feel like we, we met a lot of really nice, well-intentioned people. Right. And then when we got to CARB, we met a lot of really nice people who could help us because they had the experience. It was ABA, which I think is the only way to go with your child if you're trying to overcome autism. And if you go to CARD, the people are so qualified, and there's so much of a database on how to approach this it's just like they come right in and we started off with, let's have Riley sit down for two seconds because he couldn't even get that. And we worked on baby steps until now he's in first grade and he's working at grade level. So it just starts with baby steps and it keeps working on because they have a way to approach every single problem, every single tantrum, every single thing you're gonna come up with. They have a way to approach it and help you get through it. Yeah, I'm always amazed like at our, our clinic will be having a specific problem and, and how good they are, um, all of them, the therapists and your team leader at coming up with a solution, something to try, and it almost always works. Whatever the particular behavior you're trying to deal with, uh, they're really good at that they know the answers. He likes a lot of stuff, I think, regular seven-year-olds like. He likes to swim. He loves to um, swim. He's a fish. Likes to uh, ride a scooter, loves Toy Story, loves playing on the iPad. Loves, 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 loves Justin Bieber. Good job, buddy. High five. High five. High five. Yeah. Card's been good about encouraging us to do things that maybe wouldn't occur to us, like him learning to ride a bike was really them saying, hey, it's time, let's do this, and helping us do that and so he can ride a bike. He's still working on, on the brakes a little bit, but you know, he can pedal a bike. We can go to Balboa Park and he'll he'll ride happy as a clam along the bike path. If you think something's wrong, it's not about you. Don't bury your head in the sand. Go get help because the help is out there to make your life and your child's life just so much better. And if you're lucky enough to get in with CARD, I can't even tell you what a difference it's made in our lives from four years ago. Just the quality of life we have, 
the quality of life Riley has, the progress he's made from being a child who wanted to stay in his room and play Toy Story and line up his Toy Story dolls all day to a first grader who's working at grade level. It couldn't have happened without card intervention, without ABA, and without all the wonderful people we have. Currently in the United States, one in 88 children is affected by autism. One in 88 means something different when your child is the one. Recovery is possible. Hi, I'm Shannon Penrod, host of Autism Live, an online show about autism broadcast by CARD, the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. I'm also the mother of a child with autism, my beautiful son, Jem. You know our old joke, guess what? Chicken butt. Chicken butt. So we're gonna take the chickens. But things weren't always so easy. I remember when Jem was first diagnosed with autism. I used to lay awake at night in bed and pray for someone or something that could help us to get our child back. My prayers were answered by Dr. Doreen Grandpichet and the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. CARD treats autism and other related disorders using the principles of ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, which is the only scientifically proven effective treatment for autism. It is also recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics and the U.S. Surgeon General. About a year after we started treatment with CARD, we were able to see tremendous improvement, and we got our child back. What grade are you in? Second. You are a smart cookie, huh? Mm -hmm. Do you like school? Uh, yeah. Do you have any good friends? Yeah, Oscar. Oscar is your best friend? Yeah. And my child is just one of thousands to benefit from CARD ABA therapy. Across the nation and around the world, children are making amazing progress and being given the keys to unlock their full potential. Recovery from autism is absolutely a possibility. We've been recovering children for over 20 years. It's just a matter of identifying the child's medical needs, understanding the child's sensory issues, and then teaching the child all of the skills they need in order to function normally. We know there's hope for autism. Autism is treatable and recovery from autism is possible. Okay. Uh, good morning. My eight and a half year old son with autism is very bright, considered high functioning. He still has behaviors and tantrums, is fully potty, tra potty trained, and can ask for all he needs. Mm -hmm. Can ask questions like who, why, where, can have short conversations, but the things he likes. Uh, about the things he likes. About the things he likes, excuse me, like speakers, movie credits, hip-hop music. My question is, can my son still have a chance to recover with intense ABA? Uh, I have con contacted I've lost CARD. My I contacted I CARD. contacted CARD in Edison, New Jersey, and I'm waiting for a response to hopefully start services soon. He's a very smart boy, but I, like I said earlier, some, sometimes has tantrums and uh, injurious behavior when frustrated or mad he'll be nine in June and she says I get sad thinking even though he's got so much potential and skills that he would not be able to recover he's also hyper and attention can be a problem please let me know your opinion and thanks in advance I would be so lost without this show we're sending oh, that's you so a nice hug of you. yeah so what I I can't I this is it's one of those things which I wish I knew more about your son if I if I could do an evaluation or something and then I could help you see the future a little bit more but I don't and this is not enough information for me to be able to say whether how far he'll go right but my recommendation to you is I mean it sounds like he's learned quite a lot and that's great that it sounds like he's doing well and I do recommend that you get him into an ABA program as soon as you possibly can and that you do a lot of work, right? If you can, and this is one of the problems we hit when our kids are eight or nine or whatever, they're in school. And so our hours become extremely limited and also funding sources generally won't fund comprehensive programs for kids over the age of eight. So, um, you know, at best your child will probably get something like 10, 15, maybe 20 hours of one-to-one -one therapy, which is gonna be extremely helpful. What I recommend for you to do is a couple of things. One is don't set a recovery as your goal. Every single year, try to set a goal which has to do with the things you want your son to learn that year. 
So uh, here's what you can do today, okay? You don't, you don't have to wait for us. You can get on, you can do two things, which is what I did specifically for parents. Get on skills, and the website for that is skillsforautism.com, skillsforautism.com. Get on skills. And when you're on skills, do everything. Get on there, answer the, get on, become a client, answer the assessment questions about your son. Um, it'll help you identify exactly what he needs to learn. From there, you will look and determine exactly what you want to accomplish every year, right? This year, I would like him to, you know, have longer conversations. I want his conversations to be directed at children. I want him to be able to read facial expression. I'll be, you'll be, you, you'll be shocked at the amount of choice you have at, on skills. Like, it's, we're not talking, you know, we're talking about, you can choose things like, oh, I want him to tell jokes. I want him to be able to lie. I want him to, it's everything and anything you want is on there. So, but you have to spend some time. Like, and I suggest you, you set goals for yourself where you say, I'm gonna do an hour on skills every day. It'll take a week to answer the assessment, great. Then it'll take you, give yourself time, give yourself a month to acclimate. It's, and Shanana has helped a lot of people acclimate to skills. It's a big platform, it is big. It's like going into a supermarket for the mm -hmm. first day and like, what are all these things? So give yourself time because if you really learn skills, you will benefit from it beyond your imagination. Now, and, and you're not gonna do all of it, you're just gonna help se select the things, right? And then you're gonna go on IBT, which is ibehavioraltraining.com, the Institute for Behavior Training. And there you will teach yourself the techniques. You will learn how to teach things. You will learn how to get rid of challenging behaviors. You will learn how to, uh, you know, what you do whenever he has a tantrum. You'll learn what to do to get his attention. You'll learn what to do to not allow him to injure anyone or himself. You'll, you'll understand autism and you'll understand what these behaviors are about and you'll understand how to teach. So it's simple for him to understand. So do all of that because this will keep you very engaged and I promise you every day you'll learn something new, every single day. Then you can work on teaching him and hopefully by then a team of ABA experts have also joined you and together you will now give him a lot of attention and support and you'll make up for what even people who start at three years old, maybe they're not doing the right thing. Don't worry about time, don't worry about recovery. Worry about what you can do now yourself, train yourself and get a team of people to assist and support and you work on it together. Uh, you know, don't assume that as soon as you get into a card program, you're gonna have a whole bunch of people come and just take care of recovery. That's not how it works. It is all about your involvement. And I'm sorry, because I know as a parent, we're already overwhelmed, but you'll enjoy it. It's like kind of going to the gym. You don't want to do it at first, but once you get into it, you're like, I feel great. You will feel a lot better. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I talk to parents about all the time is that CARD did a study a few years ago um, to see what predicts the best outcomes. Right. And um, I, I get really excited about talking that because um, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, minimized down to age, but the best outcomes come when there are three things that you do consistently. And one of them was give your child as many opportunities to learn as possible. Right. 24-7. Right. You know, Absolutely. as many opportunities as you can. The second one was having uh, an experienced BCBA in your case, which if you get in with Edison, New Jersey, that's going to help you to be able to do that because all card offices have experienced BCBAs. But the third one, and, and I said earlier when I shopped around and I was like, what, what is consistent with all these kids that are doing well, was parent involvement. If the parents learned it and followed through on it, it, it helped with the first one, which is having the many opportunities. <laughs> and every parent that I saw who said, you know, we're going to do as much as we can. And the thing that I said was, I want to be able to look him in the eye when, I, when he's 18 and be able to say we did everything we could. Wherever that gets us, I, I'm going to love him like there's nobody's That's business right. and accept him wherever he is. But I want to be able to look at him and tell him we did it all. And if you do that, I can tell you, you will be thrilled with where you end up. I, don't, I haven't met a single parent who at the end didn't say, you know what, we are, we are fabulous, we're good. So that's, uh, I think, hand in hand with what, what Dr. Grampy Shea said. If you do those three things every day, 
you're going to be okay and your kiddo's going to be okay and there's going to be tremendous growth definitely all right we need to let you go yeah but before i go i just want to thank you and i want to do a shout out to charlie charlie Shannon bought these for you. No, no, no. Those, these oh, were these gifts. Were donated. These were <laughs> gifts. I have to say from Imperial Toys, who we love. They're awesome. But can I show you something yes, fun that please. we learned you can do with these chickens because we've been playing with them. And uh, Charlie was here, uh, our fabulous Beyond intern. Intern doesn't cover it when we were doing the toys, so I had to send these to Charlie. But we discovered that when you lock their legs. This is what happens when, oh you, my when, God. when you work at Autism Live. You discover <laughs> that they balance each other. So please take the chickens home to Charlie because uh, we miss Charlie. But Imperial Toys sent these over to us because they love knew it. I love we would it. be very happy with them. So Charlie, <laughs> yes. they have to go home and live with you. You can name them and let us know. Uh, <laughs> all right. We are going to take a break. And then we got a little bit of time before it's time for Let's Talk Autism. Uh, with Shannon and Nancy, but don't forget that we're going to have Karen Nolte on that hour, and we're also going to have Dr. Carrie Magro. But uh, stay tuned. First, look at this. <laughs>